Well, once again, good morning, everyone, and happy Father's Day to all of fathers. Before I, before we um, read our text for today, I just want to give credit to um, one of my um, New Testament professor at Calvin Theological Seminary. His name is Jeffrey Weimar. Um, I used every single of the research that he used for his sermon. So I want to give him a credit so that I can pass my preaching, <laughs> not to fail it. So <clears throat> so want to give a credit. Yep. <clears throat> Our text for this morning may be too well known. Most of us know, may know um, this story, but hopefully the Holy Spirit will be present and revealed to us with new insight into this well-known text. So I'm going to and ask you, I'm going to and ask you um, and invite you to turn this morning to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. If you have your Bible, you can turn them on to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, verse 25 237. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. Listen carefully to the reading of God's word. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, Well, what is written in the law, and how do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your minds and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and depart, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite or Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had a compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds pulling on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you expand, I will repay you when I come back. Jesus asked, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He said, the one who showed him mercy. 
And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Go to the Lord. My New Testament professor, Jeffrey Weimar, he told me a story. And this is his story. A factory worker was ending his midnight shift in Grand Rapids plant. And on the way, walking in the dark to his car, he was attacked by a drug addict. Who was, who was desperate for more money to satisfy his addiction. As a result, this worker was laying there on the side of the road, unconscious, helpless, and almost dead. There was a minister from Christian Reformed Church, which is our church denomination, was driving down the same street where a factory worker was laying. The minister, he saw the man, but he kept on going at the light because he was late for prayer breakfast meeting. It is really important meeting. A short time later, a director of one of the homeless shelters in Grand Rapids was driving down that same street. And obviously, he saw the man, but he kept, he also kept on going because he had a speech to make about the mission of his organization so that he could receive the donation from the local churches. And a short time later, a Syrian refugee who was Muslim by faith happened to be coming down the same street. He saw the man and he pulled over his car to stop. And he saw how serious the situation was. So he picked up the man and put him in the back seat and getting blood all over his shirts and pants and took him as quickly as possible to downtown Spectrum Health. It is one of the biggest hospitals in the city of Grand Rapids. Maybe I'm wrong. However, the nurse, the admitting nurse, wouldn't accept anyone without payment being made. So he took his wallet and said, here is all the cash I have. If it is not enough, you can take my visa card to pick up any extra expense. In, in both versions of the story, one told by Jesus and my professor. There are two surprises. 
on the one hand, people whom you expect to help, the minister, the priest, and, and Levite, the minister, and social service worker, they don't help. They fail to be a neighbor. That is the first surprise. But the second, even bigger surprise is, is that those whom you do not expect to help, the Samaritan or Syrian refugee who has a different faith, they do stop. They do prove to be a neighbor. That is the even bigger surprise of the story. But the question is this. Why did Jesus tell this story anyway? Why did Jesus tell this story in the first place? Well, if we go back to our passage, our text, there was a lawyer. The term lawyer in this context is referring to an expert in the law of Moses. He was not the kind of lawyer who goes to court with us for a traffic ticket. It's totally different. So a lawyer who was an expert in the law of Moses, he stood up to put Jesus to the test and ask a question that is not all genuine, sincere, or innocent. His first question was this. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus knows exactly what is going on, and he turns, so he turns the table. He turns the table by saying, Well, what do you think the answer is? But this guy didn't, but this guy did not ask a question because he, he did not know the way to inherit the eternal life. Once again, he was an expert in the law of Moses. He was smart. So he quoted from either Leviticus chapter 19 or Deuteronomy chapter 16. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and and your neighbor as yourself. And he was right. So Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But then this expert was not satisfied with having that answer. So he wanted to justify himself. In other words, he wanted to prove Jesus and the disciple and perhaps the crowds that he did fulfill this commandment that he was worthy of eternal life. So he asked another question. The second question was, who is my neighbor? He anticipated, of course, that Jesus would say, your neighbor is your fellow countryman or your fellow Jew. And this, I guess, he felt very confident that I have truly loved my neighbor. But things don't turn out the way he expected because Jesus doesn't answer 
quite the way he expected. Jesus tells a story to show that his neighbor is not just his fellow country person or a person who comes from his own ethnic background. Or his neighbor is not somebody maybe he is comfortable with. Jesus tells a story to show that his neighbor is anyone who is hurting and in need. Anyone who is hurting and in need. Now to convey this message, Jesus tells a story which contains four characters. Let's look at them a little more closely. The first character is victim. Our scripture tells us a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's it. A man. Jesus doesn't say anything about this man. He just described in, in a most generic way. A man. What ethnic, what ethnic background was he? We don't know, but we can guess. Why was he going from Jerusalem to Jericho? No idea. What job or profession did he have? No idea. Was he old or was he young? Once again, I have no idea. Because none of these questions are answered because Jesus makes a victim as general as possible so that we could put, we could put in his place anyone who is hurting and in need. So this generic guy coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he is beaten and robbed, the people all start nodding their heads. And they're probably going to say something like this. Yeah, that road is really nasty road. Because it was the perfect place for people to hide and to rob unsuspecting traveler and to get away. This is what exactly happened to this man. To this man. He was grabbed. He was bitten. His clothes were taken, his possession all gone. And he was laying on the side of the Lord. And text suggests half death. The first character, which is the victim. And character two and three should treat together. That is the priest and the rabbi. We naturally think we naturally think of them as the bad guys. We quickly fault them for showing no care or compassion and and ignoring the person in his time of need. And we for sure do not at all identify with the priest and the rabbi. But I want to suggest you this morning that this is probably probably stereotype that is undeserved. 
we shouldn't think these two men, priest and the rabbi, as godless men because they are the priest and the Levites. So their purpose is to serve God. And like, like most people, we could assume that they had a heart of compassion toward those who are hurting and in need. But somehow they, they, they fill their mind with perhaps their radical reasons and excuse for not stopping and for not being a neighbor to the person in his time of need. Perhaps they were worried about their own safety. Perhaps they were afraid the robbers were still around and would attack them if they did not hurry on their ways. Or maybe they thought the guy was dead. <laughs> the, the text suggests that he was, he was not moving. He was not doing anything. And of course, this, this would be a, a big problem for anyone in the ancient world, but especially for the priest and the rabbi. If they touch the dead body, they would be considered unclean and they would have to go through pretty, pretty exhausting procedure to become spiritually pure again. So maybe that is why they did not stop. But once again, we do not know anything about their reasons or excuse for not stopping and for not being a neighbor. But my point is this. It is not fair. It is not right to describe these two men as godless men or bad guys who did not show care or compassion toward the man who was hurting and need. Rather, these two pious men who fill their minds with reasons and or excuse for not stopping helping the person in their times of need. And of course, we are here this morning as a caring group of people. When we see people in distress, when we hear of situation where there is problem, our hearts go out to those other people. We feel like we have to do something, but then, but then we so often fill our minds with reasons and excuse for not doing so. We say things to ourselves like this. We may say something like, I do not have time to be a neighbor because of blank. And you fill in the blank. Or we may say something like, I do not think that I have a spiritual gift for being a neighbor. Or, I do not think that is my job. 
to, to being a neighbor. That is church minister's job. Elders, deacons, their job. I give my money every week, every, every month to support their ministry. That is not my job. They have council meeting every, every month. They plan out the ministry. They go and do it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Not my job. It's their job. Or we, could, we, we, we may say something like this. I'm not so sure that I have to be a neighbor to everyone who is hurting and in need. How about you, our Trinity Youth Group student? How many, how, I don't know how many Youth Group students we have now, but how about you, our Trinity Youth Group student? When I was a um, high school student, I have seen so many different types of school violence, such as bullying, cyberbullying, Fighting, sexual violence, this was the big one. Sexual violence and weapon use. The question is this. Are you willing to stop and help a student who is hurting by any type of school violence? When you see a student who is laying down on the side of the world, your school world, when you see him or when you see her, are you willing to stop and help him or her? Are you willing to be a neighbor? If you ask exactly the same question to a Teenager, Mr. Dan Kim, me, my answer will be no. Not because, not because of I am a bad guy. I'm a nice, I'm a kind guy. I believe. But because of this, I'm afraid. I'm not going to stop. I don't want to be a neighbor. Why? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be a next target of violence. Seriously. Honestly. And I have another reasons of why I do not want to stop or I do not want to be a neighbor. I have another reason or excuse. I played basketball for my school varsity team. So I had to go to training, to practice every day, excluding the Sunday. If I'm not going to be there, if I'm late, my coach will get mad at me. And he's not going to let me play the game. He's going to see me. He's going to make me to sit on the bench the whole season. You see, friends, we're, we're not so different. That's what I want to tell you. That, that, that's what I want to say. We're not so different from the priest and the rabbi. 
I am not so different from the priest and the rabbi. People who love God, yes, I love God. People who believe God, yes, I believe in God. People who wants to serve God and people who feel called to serve God. And yet, we very easily find excuse and reason for not stopping and being a neighbor to those in need. We're not so different. The fourth character in this story is the Samaritan. And here is the punchline. Punchline and big aha moment. Because the Samaritan, unlike the priest and the rabbi, stop. Not for you to really appreciate or understand how shocking this event is. You need to understand the hatred and the bitterness between the Jews and Samaritan. Who are the Samaritan anyway? They refer to themselves as children of Israel. And they claim to worship same God that the Jewish people did. But the Jew and Samaritans didn't get along. They hated each other. Because the Jew, this is Old Testament history, Old Testament story. Because the Jew who returned after Babylonian exile, they couldn't accept the Samaritan as the pure Jew. Because Samaritan, they practice, what's that called? Interracial marriage. So the Jew who returned from the Babylonian exile, they couldn't accept this Samaritan group as the pure Jew. It's all almost like this. I have a, I had a, I had a friend and in, in, back in, um, Michigan. He claimed that he is a pure Dutch for many generations. But he had a girlfriend, <clears throat> Korean woman. She was really nice. She was really kind. And she was young. She, but that's, he had a girlfriend. So he wanted to get married with her. So he took his girlfriend to his parents' house. But the, his parents... They didn't want him to get married with this Korean lady. Why? Because of their pureness. Dutch pureness. And I was like, that's really funny. That's what exactly happened between these two groups. If you read um, the Gospel of John, Jesus meeting the woman at the well. She asked a really good question. How do you, a male Jew, ask me a female Samaritan for a drink? That is, that is a good question because those kind of things shouldn't be happened. It shouldn't be happened. That is what makes this story so shocking because as Jesus tells it, but a Samaritan stops. And not only he stops, but he also begins to give a man first aid treatment. 
He uses wine and oil to treat the wounds. And then he set him on his own animal and take him to Anim and give it, give, and gives two denarii. It's about like two days wage of full-time worker to the innkeeper and says, please, please, please take care of this man. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And at the end of the story, Jesus asked a very easy question. It is almost like a no-brainer question. You don't have to think harder. You don't have to think really hard to answer this question. Verse 36, Jesus said, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The answer is obviously the Samaritan. And yet, that is not what he said. I don't know whether you noticed this or not. That's not what he said. He didn't say the Samaritan. He said, the one who showed the mercy. He can't even bring himself to say this hated and despised word. Instead, he does by means of circumlocution. Indirect way of expressing things. And he says, the one who showed the mercy. If you are familiar with honor and shame culture, which means something like this. When you tell a story, which the heroes of their faith are shamed and their enemies are kind of exalted and praised. You know what people start doing? People start looking around for rocks and stones to stones to person. In this honor and shame culture, you do not want to tell a story like Jesus. You do not want to tell a story like Jesus and expect to walk away unharmed. I mean, think about Stephen. Acts chapter 6 and 7. We already have seen him. Do you still remember how the Jews respond to the Stephen's speech? They say, we heard Stephen say terrible things against Moses and God. So what did they do? They killed him. And again, brothers and sisters, that, that, that what gives this story punch and power. Jesus remembered his answering what question? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story that our neighbor is not someone from our own ethnic background, socioeconomic status, or somebody we are comfortable with and, and hanging out with. Our neighbor is anyone who is hurting and in need. And here is my final part of the message. I'm not an American, as you see. Even if I went to middle school, high school, college, and, and seminary, 
here in the state. I'm not an American. There is no such as hometown for me in this state. Even if I'm working as the U.S. Army Reserve Chaplain, I'm not, I'm not American. I still need to study more about U.S. history. I, I still need to learn more about the Western cultures. But if you ask me to tell you only one thing that I learned from the Western culture, then here's the, here's the only word that I'm going to use. Individualism. That is the first, first word that I learned from the Western culture. Individualism. But that including myself, including myself and most people live in self-centered lives. For my successful career, for my healthy life, for my comfortable and worry-free future, we live self-centered, including myself, not excluding myself. But when we focus our attention, not on ourselves, but to the other, there are so many people who need our help and attention. Their lives are so different from our own. Even their language and their backgrounds are different. But my question is, as the Jesus follower, as the Jesus disciples, are we able to be their neighbor amongst these differences? Like our Lord Jesus Christ have, has been a neighbor to us, to those who are hurting and in need. Are we able to be a neighbor to those who are hurting and in need? At the end of the story, Jesus not only answered the question of who is my neighbor, but he also spells out how we, should, how we ought to deal with our neighbor. Jesus simply but importantly, says, go. Go. Not stay. Wait until they come and ask for help. Jesus said, go. And do likewise. So I say to myself, and I say to each one of my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, go and do likewise. In the name of Jesus, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I challenge you to be a neighbor. And this is the greatest commandment that Jesus has given to us. Jesus says, 
you shall love you shall love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your soul. That is, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this: love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. Jesus doesn't say something like this. Well, this is the first commandment and second commandment. You can do whatever you want. You can choose whatever you want. First commandment, love God. Second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you to be a neighbor. And may God give you power and strength and empower you to be a neighbor to anyone. And through your ministry, they may see the glory of God. They may see the kingdom of God. And at the end, they may praise the Lord. Amen.